This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm Jeff Nally. Our guest on this edition is Republican U.S. Senator John Bozeman. For decades, family farmers have worked in solitude far away from consumers, but that's about to change. The Corn Farmers Coalition wants to engage the public in a discussion to reaffirm the farmer's commitment to safe, abundant, and affordable food. Through innovation, technology, and ingenuity, farmers are meeting our growing need for food, fuel, and fiber. To learn more about how productivity and sustainability can go hand in hand, go to www.cornfarmerscoalition.org. Our guest on this edition of Open Mic is Republican U.S. Senator John Bozeman. The five-term congressman and now first-term senator from Arkansas is key to farm policy debate as the Senate prepares to work on the O-12 Farm Bill. Senator Saxby Chambliss said of the Senate's Farm Bill proposal that Southern farmers are giving up much more government support than those farmers in the heart of the Midwest. Senator Bozeman said he wants an equitable farm bill. Well, I think Saxby's exactly right. And now that the uh, Farm Bill has you know, actually passed the committee and been out for a few weeks, a lot of independent groups have studied it. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the farm think tanks at our universities and things, and they all agree, you know, that, that there's not, uh, you know, uh, there's not the fairness. Uh, you know, one, one group seems to be profiting over another group and perhaps, uh, you know, is trying to take some of their safety net to, to reinforce their own. Uh, so uh, the thing that, that we're going to have to have, uh, and I think will be included in the House bill, uh, will be price supports. Uh, and I think that's really the only way that you you can be of help to uh, uh, peanuts and, and rice uh, people that produce those kind of crops. Senator, how do you how do you use the the telescope and look out to set that target price so that it is a support for the producer of those crops, but also not a target, whereas they would produce for the program as opposed to the marketplace. No, that's that's you know that's that's where. You know where the wisdom comes in, and that's what everyone's working on right now. I think that at the end of the day, uh, in order to get this done, there is going to be a, some price supports in there. But that's that's really what everyone's working on is trying to figure out, you know, what truly is a safety net. Uh, this the the farm bill is so important. I mean, in Arkansas and so many of our states, it's the leading economy, uh, you know, of our state. And uh, certainly we don't want to get the unintended consequences of everybody planting the same crop, uh, you know, things like that. We learned some hard lessons out of our previous cotton program with Brazil. I'm still working around this issue. How do you come up with a target price system that still keeps us in good graces with our friends under the WTO? Or do we even worry about WTO now? Well, I think that, you you know, you, you worry but in writing the farm bill, you know, you you don't kowtow, you know, just to that. And so, I, you know, I think what we're trying to do is do what's best for our producers and things, do our best to make it uh, WTO compliant. Uh, but but at the end of the day, you know, that's certainly not the only uh, you know thing that you consider as you you know as you go forward and. Uh, try and uh, be fair to all of our producers. I understand, and, and risk protection is obviously there. Hey, and I've, I've been a farmer too, and and the, the target price and the, the, the loan rates and things that we used to have before, those are great if you have a crop. But what if you don't have a crop? Uh, how does this program need to be beyond just the target price structure that, that you and some others are looking for? Well, I think the key is, and, and you sum it up very well, 
and you understand that as being, you know, being a farmer uh, and things, that one size doesn't fit all. And that's really what we're trying to do is come up with a system uh, that has the flexibility, you know, for farmers where they have different needs. And some people are more worried about yield. Others are more worried about price. And so uh, within the farm bill, there has to be the flexibility to meet both of those needs. I know when they finished the vote in the uh, committee and it was 16 to 5, uh, Chairwoman Stabenow and Mr. Roberts both suggested we're not where we need to be. Um, can you share with us, has there been discussion among staff and, and have, have compromises been offered? Do you expect those when this bill comes out? Well, I do expect, you know, that the final product will be uh, one of compromise or it's going to be very difficult to get it passed. And so, yeah, there's a lot of discussion now. I, I think that the chairwoman is, is really negotiating in good faith. Uh, she's indicated that she understands that there's real problems right now. Uh, you know, would like to get it passed through the Senate and then, uh, you know, deal with some of those problems in the, in the conference uh, because the, the House bill is going to look very, very different than the Senate bill and will favor, you know, more of, of taking care of all of the regions as opposed to this, uh, you know, this, this thing that we've got going on now with rice and uh, uh, peanuts, which, you know, everyone agrees is unfair. Uh, I can't vote, and I don't think that, you know, a number of others can vote for, you know, a bill in the Senate, though, that doesn't offer, uh, you know, the, the minimal needs that we need with Southern agriculture. So that's where we're at now. I'd like for us to have a unified force as we go on the Senate floor. Uh, I think we'll have a great, you know, a much better chance of passing the bill uh, if we are unified, uh, those from the committee, because in this very tough economic times, it's difficult. The other thing I'd like to see is, you know, more reform in the food stamp program. And most people don't understand, certainly your listeners do, that the vast majority of this bill has nothing to do with farmers. Uh, it has to do, you know, with SNAP and uh, things like that. And there really is a lot of room for reform not hurting those that are receiving, in fact, strengthening, uh, you know, the program by getting rid of a lot of the fraud and the waste and things like that. I want to go back to the program before we come to nutrition. I had heard rumor that perhaps there was a compromise of a counter-cyclical program for Southern crops. Again, to put something in the language so that you would have something to compromise with knowing the house plan is going to be different. Counter-cyclical or, or any ideas what may be coming? Well, I think that, that you're exactly right in the sense that there's lots of discussion uh, along those lines, but uh, I, I don't know that we're there yet. Now, as I speak, you know, as we're speaking, uh, literally, you know, our staffs are working uh, really very, very hard to, to try and earn a compromise out. And most importantly, uh, make it such that we come up with a program that's not a one-size-fits-all because it just doesn't work. I understand. I know the magic number is 60. If you want to stop a filibuster, if you want to be able to have a cloture vote and move it on, you need 60 votes. And again, we're, we're beating the same horse here as we talk about this. Is there a way to come up with a plan that would satisfy yourself, Mr. Chambliss, Mr. Cochran, and, and uh, Mr. McConnell or others out of the South, and not alienate yourself from the core and still come up with that magic number 60? Well, I hope so, and that's that's you know our hope and effort, and uh, you know the other thing to remember is even if we don't uh, agree with where the bill's at now, all of us 
uh, you know, desperately uh, on the committee want to get a farm bill passed. We understand how important this is uh, for our entire country. And so we'll, we'll be working hard to, to make it such that we can re- reach that number. The other thing is, you know, there's, other, there's other things about this. I would like to see a very strong vote of support uh, come out of the Senate, uh, you know, in regard to final passage of the Farm Bill. The reason being is, with a strong vote, it makes it that much easier on our House members as they move forward. Again, in very tough economic uh, times, uh, you're talking about spending a lot of money. Uh, you know, I believe that, that it's money very well spent uh, for the most part, in the sense I'd like to see more reform in some of the other programs. But uh, I'd like to see a strong vote so that we can encourage our House members to also have a, uh, you know, a good vote, get something passed, and get the president to sign this bill. You, you make a great transition here to the next area that I want to go. It is no secret uh, that direct payments would be under challenge and not a part of this bill. But what I think many have been surprised at the, the challenge that we're seeing now toward crop insurance and many who want to suggest a means test for each operation and how much of a premium that there might be for their crop insurance coverage. Will that work with you? Well, I think you have to be very careful about that. And, uh, you know, you don't want to penalize, uh, uh, you know, uh, individuals, groups that are doing a, a good job. And I think that's, you know, that's the potential that you have is uh, penalizing people that are efficient and, uh, you know, doing a good job in, uh, in their business. I'm going to throw my advocate hat on here, so forgive me for just a moment. Unlike those programs before where the mailbox was a big percentage of farm revenue, I see this program as one where, yes, taxpayer dollars are in the game, but so are farmer dollars, and so are are crop insurance companies. It's a triad of risk protection because, ultimately, I say we all have skin in the game. No, you're exactly right, and that's, that's really how it should be. And uh, so I think that's actually, you know, a, a good step in the right direction. All righty. Another step here is uh, is on the procedure. And I know that you won't be able to, to write the policy on that. How many amendments do you expect? And have you heard what the Rules Committee may allow in or out? Well, the Senate is a little different than the House. In the House, you, you, you have a Rules Committee, uh, and the Rules Committee is very slanted towards the majority, probably nine nine to four, and they decide how long the debate will go on and uh, how many, uh, you know, amendments will be. In the Senate, theoretically, uh, you know, the hallmark of the Senate is you get to have lots of amendments, uh, lots of debate, uh, so there'll be a huge argument that, that occurs, you know, as to how many amendments will be allowed. It's a little different in the Senate. The majority and minority leader will work that out. And then members, all of the members, will have to kind of agree with that because everything in the Senate is done under unanimous consent. And if they, if a single member you know, raises objection, then it makes it very, very difficult, especially if you have groups of members. So uh, that's something that uh, the majority leader, Senator Reid and Senator McConnell, uh, will work out, and I think it's really important that we have the ability uh, to offer a number of amendments. This this bill is a huge bill; spends lots of lots of money, and uh, it can be made better. 
Let's talk energy for just a second. One of the big amendments that did come for the Senate plan was from uh, Mr. Conrad regarding uh, energy policy. And I know that you have some opinions about the Keystone Pipeline and what that might mean for the country. How important is the energy side of the bill and, and how important is that pipeline? Well, the Keystone Pipeline is, is just something that, that there really are no valid arguments against. Environmentally, we can do this thing soundly. There's about 50 of these types of pipelines under the state of Texas. They're all throughout our nation. Uh, we, we know how to do this well. Uh, you'd immediately create 20,000 jobs. Uh, a lot of those, uh, because we're making the pipe in Arkansas, New Core Steel in Arkansas. And again, you know, the list goes on and on throughout the country. Uh, less dependent on foreign oil in the sense that we, we wouldn't be dependent on Canada. Uh, I'm sorry, not Canada. We would be dependent on Canada, uh, our closest neighbor and friend. Uh, but we wouldn't be as dependent on Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and think places like that. So, uh, you know, there, there's absolutely no reason not to do this. The exciting thing that's going on right now, and we couldn't say this, you know, just a few years ago, but with the new drilling techniques and, and the new finds that the geologists have made, we could be energy independent in this country in 10 years. It's just absolutely amazing. You can imagine the economic boost that we would have instead of sending $35 billion a month overseas uh, if we kept that money at home. Uh, that truly would uh, go up to a large extent of getting us out of the economic situation we're in. How long do you think this debate on the farm bill will go? Well, traditionally, you know, this is something that's taken a while. So I think that, uh, you know, probably uh, two or three weeks, uh, you know, is a real possibility in the Senate. And then, you know, you have the House, uh, you know, uh, doing their, their thing. And in the conference, but uh, I, th I think there could be a couple of weeks of uh, debate uh, when you include wh what amendments are going to be in there, uh, things like that, and then actually getting it on the floor. All right, I'm going to take you up to 30, 35,000 feet as we finish up here. There's a big election coming up yet this year, not only for the White House, but also for the Congress. What do you see are the decisions before the people? What are the what are the issues that are forefront and how important are the people's decision as we move to November? Well, I think you know the election really is 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 just uh, you know it's it's probably the most important thing that we've done in my generation. And what we're trying to do is decide which way the country's going. Are we going to have a bigger government? Are we going to do more of the European approach, uh, where you know government is much more involved in our lives? Are we going to get back to the way that uh, we've always done in America? And have more personal responsibility, have more responsibility on the states and things like that. We've got to get some certainty in the economy, and the, uh, the president just hasn't shown the leadership that he needs to in that regard. Right now, uh, individuals don't know what their tax structure is going to be in the future. Uh, they don't know what the regulation is going to be in the future. Uh, you know, things like that. Uh, they don't know what their energy costs are going to be. The, the only thing that they're feeling is it's all going to go up under the, you know, the current administration and their leadership. So, yeah, I'm 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 certainly biased, but I do think it is important, and we do need uh, new leadership. By any metric uh, that you have, the president inherited a, a very tough situation, but but but. By any metric, any measure, uh, I think that he's made it worse. Arkansas Republican Senator John Bozeman. I'm Jeff Nally for AgriPulse Open Mic.